Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We're going to jump into the Word today, okay? Mark chapter 1, we'll be there in just a minute, so y'all just kind of leave it on your wireless devices or leave your Bible open and we'll get there. Lord, I, I just pray today that uh, you would give us ears to hear hearts to uh, to do what it is you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that today as I preach that you would sanctify my motives. Lord, that you'd clarify my thoughts. And more importantly than anything, Lord, would you glorify your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Perspective. Perspective. The older I get, the more important perspective seems to be. Uh, perspective is a difference maker in your life. Uh, perspective is, is, a, is a change agent. Uh, it, a perspective, changing your perspective is not going to necessarily turn a tragedy into a triumph, but it can help bring some clarity to the chaos that might surround your life. So let me offer some perspective today as we start. In the fall of 2019, the Lord led us to, uh, to a series called Heart Attacks, and we talked about all the ways that the, uh, that the enemy hurts us, that life hurts us and breaks us down in our lives. And we talked about the fact that the ministry of Jesus from Luke chapter 4, the ministry of Jesus is so focused on our salvation and our healing. And many of us talked about the fact that we either began or continued uh, this, this uh, path, this journey towards healing after that series. And it wasn't just me in that moment. It wasn't just this church. It seemed like God had raised up a chorus of voices all around the body of Christ to speak into this issue of healing at that time. And then in the fall of 2020, we talked about purpose. We talked about the fact that we should not just do something for the sake of doing something, that we should know why we do it. One of our core values here at the church, they're on the wall in the, in the lobby and hopefully in our hearts and our decision-making processes, but one of our core values is the why is as important as the what. If you're just doing stuff to do stuff, that's religion. We need to know why it is we're doing what we're doing. And again, I heard from some of you that felt like maybe for the first time you had some clarity around this concept of God's will in your life, God's purpose for you. And that's exciting. And now it's 2021. And I know what God has placed in my heart for this year. I know what he's speaking to me. I know what the leadership goals are for me and for this church. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but this is not a perfect church. That would have been a good place for you to say amen. Um, this is not a perfect church. We, we've got things we need to work on. We, uh, I, I can say this, almost always have the right intentions, but we don't always get it right. Despite our best efforts, we have things to work on. I know what God's speaking into me, and I know where we need to get to. 
But looking back, I can see the pattern from 2019 to 2020 and now to what he's doing in 2021. I can see the hand of God moving methodically, patiently, bringing us to this time and to this place, ready to launch us into the future that he has prepared for us and most importantly prepared for his kingdom and for his glory. So here's the perspective that I have. I want to connect a few dots for you this morning. There, from 2019, here's the first dot I want you to see in that there was a purpose for your pain. There was a purpose for your pain. You did not suffer for nothing. The hurt that you've been through, the offense, the, the, the betrayal, the grief, the abuse, everything that you've been through in your life has caused you pain has been for a purpose in the kingdom of God. It was not caused by God, but it can be used by him for his honor and for his glory. So the first dot I want us to start at today is that there was a purpose for your pain. Here's the next dot I want to connect for you is that there is a purpose for your healing. There's purpose for your healing. Not only can God get the glory from you being healed, but he can use your healing to help other people heal. So I want to show you a biblical principle today that if we'll learn it and if we'll apply it, it will propel us into the future that God has for this church. And more importantly, will propel us into the future that God has for us as individuals. Because no church is, is any stronger. No church has any more sense of purpose than the individuals that make it up. So this is a message not just to the church, but to us as individuals today. So I, I want to talk about the cycle of healing, the cycle of healing. And I want to say this right off the bat. Healing is not intended to be an event. It, it more accurately is a launching pad for ministry. It's a, it's a touchstone moment that starts, in, uh, starts you in this cycle that's not just about you, but is also about other hurting people around you. Okay, so let's dive in. Let's get into it. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. This is a real familiar passage of scripture, but I want you to see the cycle. After Jesus left the synagogue in Capernaum with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's house. Uh, Simon and Andrew were brothers. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. Now, verse 31 says they went, he, Jesus went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her up, and the fever, then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. That's the key verse. We'll come back to it in a minute. At, at that evening after sundown, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, Jesus didn't allow them to speak. Now, Peter's mother-in-law was sick, high fever, hurting physically. And when they brought Jesus into the house, they, they immediately told him about her. They brought Jesus to her and Jesus healed her. But it's what happened next that shows us the cycle of healing that I want to talk about today. After Jesus healed her, she got up and fixed dinner for them. 
after a long day of doing ministry that was described in the previous verses in chapter 1 of Mark, a good meal is probably exactly what Jesus needed in that moment. Soon, uh, soon there were other hurting people who showed up at the house looking for Jesus. And now that he was rejuvenated by a good meal and a little bit of rest, Jesus spent the next several hours healing the sick and casting out demons. So let me recap this for you. She was hurting, but Jesus healed her. And because she was healed, she got up to help the one who healed her so that he could heal more hurting people. Amen. All right? Listen, y'all are, are helping me out good. Thank you. Please continue. Here's the cycle of healing. You're going to hear it over and over. The healed becomes the helper so the hurting can meet the healer. The healed becomes the helper so the hurting can meet the healer. That's the cycle of healing that Jesus is inviting us into. Listen, Jesus didn't heal you so you can be silently soothed. He heals you so you can go and tell others. He wants you to perpetuate this cycle of healing. You say, John, I don't know about a cycle. I mean, maybe that's just how it happened. I don't know if this was on purpose. Well, let's look at verse 31 again and see this whole deal. Mark 1, 31, he went to her bedside. He took her by the hand. He helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. Jesus was helping her get up even as he was healing her. It was all in one motion. There was a purpose for her healing and it was for her to help others find the healer too. The healed becomes the helper so the hurting can meet the healer. That's the cycle. Now, let's break all that down. Let's break that down into its parts so we can be intentional about making it happen. So here, let's start with the easy stuff first, right? The, Jesus is the healer. Can we all agree on that? I mean, that's kind of the easy stuff. That's the obvious stuff, but man, it really takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Doesn't it take, wouldn't this be a whole different cycle if we were the healers? Jesus is the healer. I mean, we meet people all the time who need to be healed. We meet people with, who are really hurting, who have real issues, and we don't know what to do. And people say, oh, well, I'm going to call my pastor. Your pastor don't know what to do either. He can't fix them. I can't fix y'all. Believe me, I'd have already done it. I'd have started with me. I can't fix y'all. You can't fix me. You can't fix each other. We need a healer, a real one that knows what to do. We've invited, we're preparing a place for the ladies of the house of Cherith to come and to who've been rescued from a lifestyle that's the very definition of soul-crushing pain. But guess what? We don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to help them. So what in the world are we going to do? We're going to take them to the healer. We're going to take them to the healer. We don't have to know what to do. We don't have to heal them. We just have to get them to the healer. So when it comes time to pray for the sick, is there anything more intimidating than being asked to pray for a sick person? 
When it, when it comes time to pray for a sick person or a hurting person or a broken person or a lost person, let's do it with the understanding that there's absolutely no pressure on us except obedience. It's all him. He's the healer. We just bring people to Jesus. So what else is in this cycle? Well, what are the other parts? Well, we know there are hurting people, right? We know the hurting. They're all around us. They're the, they're the sad ones. They're the depressed ones. They're the ones who are putting on a brave face but are dying on the inside. They're the mean people. Y'all don't know any mean people, do you? They're the bitter people. They're, every person who has ever walked the face of the earth has, has had to endure some sort of pain that left a mark. The hurting people are everywhere. So we know where the hurting are, and we know where the healer is. What's our part in the cycle? How, what role do we play? Well, we are the healed, and we're the helpers. So first things first, if you are still hurting, if you are hurting and you have not healed, you need to come to Jesus today for yourself. You have to get healed. That's the place you start. You get healed first. So start off this brand new year by laying down that mask and by being bare bones honest about your pain. It's the one thing that unites all of humanity. We love to brag about our, our triumphs, but it's the tragedies of our lives that really unite us. So we need to lay down those masks that are hiding the pain, the pain that, that we've hidden so long behind the brave fake face that we put on at church, behind the mask of the strong independent woman, behind the mask of the 10 foot tall and bulletproof man. All lies, Amen. lies. There's no such thing as life without pain, but you don't have to remain wounded. There is healing from the healer and his name is Jesus. But there's one very important step that you have to take before you can become the healed. Look at Mark chapter 10, Mark 10. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. Well, who's him? They called the blind man and they said, cheer up. Uh, come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus, the blind man, threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Did y'all hear that? Jesus asked a blind man what he wanted. And the blind man said, my rabbi, I want to see. Jesus asked this obviously blind man what he wanted. And it was such an obvious need that the question feels at least impolite, if not just cruel. Unless you understand this very important principle, and that's this. You have to want to be healed. You have to want to be healed. Nobody can want it for you and bring it to you, no matter how obvious it is to everybody else. And it, it, aren't we almost always the last to recognize our own need for healing? Like everybody else gets it. 
We're the only person in the dark. So we're not surprising anybody. But if you don't think, if you don't think you got a problem, or if you don't want to admit the problem, if you don't see your need for healing, then you ain't going to get healed. So if you're hurting today, if you're hurting physically or spiritually or mentally or emotionally or in whatever way you're hurting, the first step to healing is admitting you need to be healed. And then when you go to the healer, you just humbly ask Jesus, believing that he can and that he will. So that leaves one last role to play in this cycle of healing. Once you are healed, you have to become the healer. You have to become the healer. You say, John, listen, I know I've met the healer. I know he's helped me through a lot of pain, but I don't know exactly what you mean by helping. What am I supposed to do? That's what we're here for. We're going to look at some other examples of the cycle of healing. So how can you help people find the healer? Here's the first thing. <laughs> Tell your story. Tell your story. That's, that's why I had to let George Ann share. She had to tell that story. How else will we know that we have authority? How else will we know that God will sometimes get us out of the basement in our work clothes and send us to the hospital unless we hear somebody who loves Jesus enough to do it and to tell it? We have to tell our stories. I want to show it to you in John chapter 4. Real familiar passage John 4, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, I'll tell you who the woman is in just a minute, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Verse 42 said, when they said to the woman, the woman at the well, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves. Now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. The woman at the well encountered Jesus and realized that he was the answer to her spiritual need as well as the rejection and the shame and all the other things that her life of sin and promiscuity had brought into her life. She got healed. She got saved. She got healed right then. And then she became the helper when she ran back into her village to tell her story. And pretty much the whole town came to see Jesus. She started a cycle of healing. Here's another example. Mark chapter 5. Mark 5. We're going to revisit this story in a few weeks, but Mark chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus said, no, go home to your family let and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man went off to visit the ten towns of that region, began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everybody was amazed at what he told them. This man had been delivered from a whole legion of demons, and he was so grateful that he wanted to accompany Jesus and his disciples and help him in his ministry. But I want you to look at the way that Jesus told him he should help. He said, go back home. Go home and tell everybody you know, everybody who knew you as the crazy, naked, demon-possessed guy, and tell them your story of deliverance. Go tell them what God did for you. Jesus said, go start a cycle of healing. The healed becomes the helper so the hurting can meet the healer. 
It's the cycle. They didn't, when the woman at the well, when the demon-possessed man, when they, when they got their healing, they didn't preach. They didn't go study theology. They didn't learn clever icebreakers, conversation starters. They simply told other people what Jesus had done for them. So let me ask you this morning, what has Jesus done for you? What has he healed you from? You say, John, listen, I'm still quite a bit of a mess. I'm just a hot mess most days. I still got stuff to deal with. Of course you do. You're human. He healed you. He didn't perfect you. And even if he had healed all of the stuff from your past, if you live another day, you're going to get hurt again. There's just, there's no way to be perfect all the time or like ever. Okay? So we can't just wait around until suddenly everything is perfect in our lives. We have to testify to what he's already done so that others can begin to benefit from your story. So you, you have to tell people, I was a sinner and he saved me. I was sick and he healed me. I was in bondage and he delivered me. I was broken and he put me back together. I was rejected and he accepted me. I was lost and he found me and he gave me a purpose. We have to tell the story. Remember your place in the cycle. You're the healed who becomes the helper. It's not up to you to heal them. It's up to you to, in, to, you to introduce them to the healer. The rest is up to him. Just tell your story. How else can we help? How else can we become helpers? This sounds a, a little odd, but I'm, I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. Not only do you tell your story, but you worship and bless the Lord. Worship and bless the Lord. Luke 7 Verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city, that's a heck of an introduction right there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's the immoral woman. Um, she heard Jesus was eating in, in this place. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet, putting perfume on them. We're going to jump to verses 47 through 50 so Jesus can put some context around it. He, he told everybody at the table, he said, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. That's worship. Loving on the Lord is worship. But a person who's forgiven little only loves little. And the, then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Listen, the fragrance of Mary's worship filled the room. It filled the room. There was no denying it. There was no ignoring it. You had to recognize the power of her praise. She wasn't obnoxious. She wasn't seeking attention. She, as a matter of fact, if she could have, if she had to completely ignore everybody else in the room. She didn't want their attention. She was focused on one person only. She simply and sincerely worshiped the one who had accepted her and had forgiven her. Possibly the only man who had ever looked at her who didn't want anything from her. The only one who had ever looked at her with pure love in his eyes. Listen, I've been doing this for a long time. 
I have seen with my own eyes over and over again the worship of a grateful sinner saved by grace transform an entire service. One grateful sinner transform a service. Break the spiritual ice. I've seen it shatter the pride of many other people and invite them to worship as well. I've seen it cause people to repent when they've seen that that person repented. I've seen people worship when they see that person worship. I've seen people be healed because that person got healed. So the question is, how have we gotten so lukewarm? If, if we will simply worship Jesus like we're grateful, if we'll just worship him like we remember where we were and who we were before he found us. If we'll worship him like we remember what eternity looked like for us before he saved us. Then our worship will be a testimony of invitation to the hurting so that they can be healed too. Praise is lifting up Jesus, right? And he said in John, if, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Yes, he was talking about the cross, but there's also an invitation that if we will lift Jesus up in praise, he will draw people to himself. It's not about us. It's about him. We exalt him and then he draws people to himself. The problem is if we don't lift him up, how will people ever be drawn to him? Worship, if it's done sincerely and passionately, is part of the cycle of healing. It helps hurting people find the healer. So we have to tell our stories, and we have to worship him like we've got a story, and everybody does. And the last thing, you're like, John, you must have ran out of material here. The last thing is just help. How do you help? Just help. My mama used to be running around the house cleaning up. And she'd go, are you just going to sit there? <laughs> so I'd stand up and still not do anything because I didn't, what do you want me to do? Right? Sometimes you just need some help. Just help. When Peter's mother-in-law got healed, she didn't get up and prophesy. She didn't get up and preach. She didn't go start her own healing ministry. She didn't get a podcast. She didn't go get time on TBN. She fixed dinner for Jesus. Why? Because she's good at it. Because the food's good. She fixed dinner because she's good at fixing dinner. That was it. Doesn't seem like much, but I promise you two hours into the healing and deliverance service that followed dinner, Jesus was glad she fixed the meal. Listen, what can you do to just help? Just don't go start a church. Just help. Just do something. Can you pray for somebody? Can you encourage somebody? Can you send somebody a text and just say, hey, thinking about you. Missed you? Want to encourage you? Hey, you didn't seem like yourself last time I saw you. You okay? Hey, I'm praying for you. Just do something. Just help. Can you cook dinner for somebody? People sick everywhere. Just take them a taco. 
Well, I'm like more than one, unless it's like a huge taco. Take them a taco and tell them God bless you. Listen, we eat dinner at my house every night. We ain't got to be sick. Bring your tacos. Just, just help. When Jesus sent the disciples out on a ministry tour, he told them, don't take any extra money. How's that for planning? Don't take any money. Receive the hospitality of others. Why? It's not that they didn't have the money to finance the ministry for themselves, but there were many times that Jesus was a guest in people's homes because it's, the part, it's part of the cycle of healing. It gives them a chance to help so that other people can be healed. And Jesus said, Jesus gave context to it. He said, if you receive a prophet, if you help a prophet, you house a prophet, feed the prophet, you receive the reward of a prophet. He said, in other words, helping the prophet is just as important as the prophet himself. The ministry of helping is as important as the ministry of prophecy or preaching or healing or anything else. We're all interrelated. It's a cycle of healing. You say, John, I could never preach. I'd just hyperventilate just stepping up on the platform. Then please don't step up on the platform. The offstage stuff is just as important as what happens on the stage. As a matter of fact, if what happens off the stage in the dimmer lights of the offices and the homes of so many other people, then we could never do the spotlight ministry moments. It takes everybody doing what we can do to cover every job and function that the body needs. So just help. John, what's the key to church growth in a post-pandemic world? Well, I don't know. Go find a podcast. There's a, a thousand experts out there. Here's what I do know. What, what I hear the Lord saying to me in, in 2021, the healed becomes the helper so the hurting can meet the healer. How do you grow a church? The healed becomes the helper so the hurting can meet the healer. And say, John, are you, why are you so confident that's going to grow the church in this post-pandemic world that we've never seen before? Because it's the only thing that ever grew a church. I'm so sick of hearing about and talking about and working against the cycle of generational curses. I mean, it's a thing it's, it's work. we got to do that. But I'm ready for somebody to get caught in a cycle of generational blessings. I'm, I'm ready for somebody to, to receive. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your children and your children's children and their children for a thousand generations. May you be blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in the morning, blessed in the evening. A generational cycle of blessing that perpetuates itself more than and more power than the sins that are in your family. I, I understand the stories of my great-grandfather was an alcoholic. Every man in my family has been a drunk. They, I, not a single man in my family has ever had, a, 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 had less than three wives. They, they don't take care of their kids. They don't see their grandkids. And I'm on track to be just like them. 
You've heard, the, have you not heard the stories? Like, if you ain't talk, go talk to somebody. There's a million of those stories. I am ready to hear, we used to be a family of alcoholics, but my dad surrendered his life to Jesus and he broke the curse in our family and it changed everything. And now he's, he's made it right with his kids and he sees his grandkids and he's apologized to all of his ex-wives. And he goes to church every Sunday and he worships the Lord and he's working as hard on being a man of God as he ever did at being a drunk. And because of his example, now I'm standing in the house of the Lord myself. I'm ready for those testimonies. I'm ready for those stories. I'm ready for some young ladies to say, my mother and my grandmother had a different man every month, sometimes every week, and they let those men treat them any way they wanted to treat them but I know who I am in Jesus. And he healed me from the trauma and he healed me from the abuse and he healed me from all of that example. That might be my history, but it's not my destiny. That may be my past, but it's not my future. I'm not looking for a man to complete me because nobody can do that but Jesus. So I'm just gonna follow him and focus on him. I'm ready for some testimonies of healing so we can tell our stories. I think this is the perspective that God has been waiting to give us for three years. The way he's connecting the dots. He helped us heal in 2019. He gave us purpose in 2020 so that in 2021 we can complete and continue the cycle of healing because there are more hurting people out there. As a matter of fact, there are way more hurting people out there than there are healed people in here. To my knowledge, the only prayer request Jesus ever made was pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers into the field because we're overwhelmed by the harvest. If there's any message that needs to be preached to the American church, it's this. It's not about you. And if we just got healed because we like being healed and we never share, we never tell the story, we never help, we never do anything outside of that, then we're wrong. We have to help people meet the healer. Maybe one of the most powerful parables that Jesus ever told. You, you remember this. There was a king, and there was a, a guy in his kingdom that owed him a ton of money. The king called him and said, you owe me money. He said, dude, I don't have any money. He said, well, I'm going to take you and your family. I'm going to throw you all in prison until you pay me. And the guy begged for mercy, and the king gave him mercy, forgave his debt. You remember that? And then what the, what the, that joker left the, the presence of the king, went straight out, grabbed the dude in the throat that owed him 20 bucks and had him thrown in jail until he could pay it. And what did, what did the king do? The king came back and said, you come right back in here, your debt's going right back on the books and you're gonna suffer in prison until you pay every last dime of what you owe me. Why? Because he did not perpetuate the cycle of healing. The king did not forgive that man 
just so he could be forgiven. He forgave him so that he could in turn forgive others and the cycle would continue. It would go on. Listen, he did not save you just because you were going to hell. He saved you because we're all going to hell and he has to have saved people to go and find those who aren't saved. It's not just about us. We are saved to serve. We're redeemed to rescue others. We're found to find. We're healed to help. It's a cycle. And if we only enjoy the benefits of our healing or our salvation or our deliverance, but we never share them with other people, then we break the cycle and we leave souls in jeopardy. So let me ask you this morning. Has God done anything for anybody today? Has he healed you from anything ever? Has he saved you? Has he delivered you? Then it's, if, if the answer to any of those is yes, then it's God's will for you to continue the cycle of healing. I wish somebody hearing this message today would say, listen, I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible, but I know exactly what Jesus did for me, and I'm going to tell my story. I wish somebody would say, I know exactly where I would be if Jesus hadn't found me and healed me. I know exactly who I was, so I'm going to worship him like I appreciate what he did for me. I'm going to worship him like I'm grateful. I don't care if I'm in a room full of lukewarm religious people who forgot who Jesus is in their lives. I'm going to worship him like he deserves it. I wish somebody would just decide today I'm going to help in any way I can. No more sitting in the, on the sidelines. No more hiding in the shadows. It's not about me. It's about him and what he's done for me and in me. So this is the time and this is the day I'm pushing the cycle of healing forward. Today, this healed person becomes the helper so more hurting people can meet the healer. Amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.